Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning. Okay, I just want to make sure you weren't going to sit down on me after worship, right? So I, I, hear, I hear sometimes you sit down on somebody right after worship. That wouldn't be on me, but on somebody you do. I'm, I'm already messing with you. It's good to be back this morning. We enjoyed a trip. Uh, the only problem with going on a trip is that when you get back, you got so much to say, you're not sure you can get it done in the time frame allotted. So y'all in trouble. I hope you packed a lunch this morning, right? I, I, I just, I, I told Julie just before I came up here, I said, we're so close. Uh, this has nothing to do with my message, but let me just tell you this morning, we're so close. Uh, those of you that have some spiritual insight understand what I'm saying. We're so close. Uh, I, I was reminded of the illustration. I'm not going to tell you a whole illustration. Some of you know it. It's about the guy on top of the roof where there's a flood, and he prays for God to come and rescue him, and God sends a canoe, and he says, I'm waiting. Y'all know that one? The power boat? Then the, okay, some of y'all been praying for revival, <clears throat> okay, and then when we get in it, it's like all of a sudden you don't even recognize it because you got him packaged up in a certain, okay, I'm already preaching, didn't mean to. I, but, but come on now, God is doing something in the house. I don't know, somebody with some spiritual insight, some, some understanding would recognize that God is doing some good stuff, and I'm excited. I don't want to miss it. I've been in dead churches before. I don't want to go back there, right? So uh, you guys push on us a little bit. We're trying to push in. You got to help me preach this morning or I will hurt myself. I left here two weeks ago, told Julie I hurt myself because y'all left me up here all by myself. Apparently, I don't know. I just preach myself. To, okay, so 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 I, I got to get into this. Or we'll be here all day. So the scary fa- the scare factor. We we talked about uh, the 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 fact that in the movie Monsters, the monsters were hired, employed in the scare factory, and they would harvest the screams of children to power their city called Monstropolis. Uh, I have submitted to you that I am convinced that there is still a current day, in effect, in full operation mode, scare factory existing today. It is different, though, in this uh, way. The, the, the monsters today, they're not trying to, to harvest the screams of children. They're trying to harvest the sanity, the peace of our mind. And so we've been talking about mind monsters. We recognize that Adam and Eve started all of this off for us in the garden. They believed the lies of the enemy and determined that what the enemy was saying was actually truth. It wasn't truth, it was lies. But because they believed that, Paul comes along in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 and he says that they we've been we've inherited the sins of our spiritual father and mother. And so now what they dealt with, we continue to deal with so in the garden, I've, I've told you this, I'm going to keep telling you this until you get this understanding. In the garden, we didn't just lose dominion, and we didn't just lose authority, and we didn't just lose relationship. We also lost our mind. Some of y'all living with some folks right now, you can go, I'll testify right now. Give me a microphone. They've lost their mind. We lost our mind because these mind monsters invaded our mind. So, so we, we, uh, we recognize that, that we, we've got to play a part in this because Jesus comes along to restore everything that the enemy lost. Come on, somebody say restore. Jesus wants to restore, give back, bring it back like we never lost it in the first place. Everything we lost. The dilemma is, is that we have a part to play. That's why Jesus comes along in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, and he says, love the Lord with your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. Most of you in this room today, especially now that we've given the invitation and you've responded, most of you have allowed Jesus to have access to your soul, your heart, that, that, that innermost being. You've, you've now accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, and that is established in your life. The dilemma I see in our, us is this, is that we 
we allow him to renew or redeem our soul, but we never allow him to touch our mind. So we understand because Paul comes along in Romans chapter 7, verse 25, and he declares that we serve the Lord with our mind. So we recognize we can have a saved soul, a redeemed soul, a renewed heart, and still have the same mind, the same thought processes. Some of you still think just like you always thought, even though you've been saved for the last 25 years, you're still operating in the same thought processes. That's why we've determined that we don't wrestle against earthly powers. We wrestle against principalities in high places, principles that have been put in place. Y'all ain't ready for me. We, we wrestle against principles in high places. We've got to learn to think differently. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? So let's go back and let's see what happens. We've been in this passage of scripture. Let's go back into Genesis. We're going to stay here for the next couple of weeks. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. And then he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman, thank you Jesus, from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Or I like to say it like this. Whoa, man. All right, so y'all still say, for she was taken out of the man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Read all that to read this. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Genesis chapter 3, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, mind power, she took some and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from God among the trees of the garden but the Lord called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? They eat from the fruit of the tree in an attempt to gain wisdom, mind power. And in that moment, they are overtaken by mind monsters. We talked a couple of weeks ago, because I'm not sure which order these came in, but we talked about a couple of weeks ago that the, one of the first mind monsters that invaded our mental space was this, anxiety. The fear of something that, that may happen in the future. Dread. The other shoe's going to drop. Uh, it's all going to fall apart someday. And so we become anxious. So they dealt with that mind monster. But now, I want you to look Look at the second monster that we can identify in this passage. Verse 7, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. I believe that in this moment right here, what we discover is that one of the mind monsters, one of the principles that has established us, is established in us and in our thought process is the mind monster of shame. Shame. I want you to look at their immediate response. See what happens. They, they eat the fruit and they recognize their nakedness and they cover themselves and they hide. They, they, let's, let's not get this twisted. I need you to stay with me just for a moment before I get into the deep meat of what we're going to talk about. I just need you to see what happens. I, I, I want you to see that they move past an appropriate response. How many of you know that guilt is an appropriate response when we do something wrong? Right? Guilt is an appropriate response. It is acceptable. When I, when I do something, I take an action that is wrong, it's against the law, I should feel guilt because when I feel guilt, it is this moment of feeling responsible. There's an element of responsibility. I'm guilty because I did this wrong. Some of y'all ain't never done anything wrong in your, all your little life, so you don't even know what I'm talking about. But when you do something wrong, let me be the first to, fire, to, to testify. When you do something wrong, there's this moment of uh, real early in the equation, if your conscience isn't burned up, because in our society, the conscience of most people has been burnt to a crisp. They don't, that's why they tell us wrong is right and right is wrong. But when we're living like we're supposed to be living, you know there's this moment where you feel guilty. That is an acceptable uh, response. Shame, however, is where they go. Stay with me. If you missed this, you missed the whole crux of this whole thing. Shame is about identity. So, so now they move from doing wrong and feeling wrong to thinking wrong. 
it isn't I did something bad. They make a shift to I am bad. Okay, y'all already sat down on me. It's what, what I do is who I am. So they didn't hide because of what they did. They hid because they thought what they did was who they were. I'm, I'm preaching right now and y'all looking at me. So, so now, because I'm overcome with shame, you see it in their life, see what happens. We no longer feel like we're worthy of relationship and no longer worthy of interaction with and no longer worthy of being in, in, in connected connection with God. So they hide. So, so they go, they move from doing wrong to believing what they have, what, what they have done is who they are. And isn't that how shame works? Because some of y'all are still trapped in what you did 15 years ago. And some of you are still trapped in what happened to you 10 years ago. And some of you are still bound by what took place in your life five years ago because we become trapped because we believe that what happened to us, what we did or what, we, what somebody else did to us is in reality who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, can't, we can't believe that, that, that any other any other conclude we can't come to any other conclusion so like the in the new testament we talk about the woman with the issue of blood her issue identify became her identifying label right and so from some of us what happened to us what what you did or what somebody else did has now become the identifying label of your life and so when you look in the mirror you see that instead of seeing you Come on now, I'm, I'm working on your mind. You gotta think differently. We gotta battle this principality of shame because the, the, the real problem with this mind monster of shame is that it leads to something. It leads, uh, it leads us to trying to cover ourselves. Okay, so, so how do we cover ourselves? I want us to go back. I, I, I begin to read that account again. And what I recognized out of the, this, this, this interaction and what takes place is that we can even see us in this because we do the same things today. This is how I know this is true. This is how I know that this was set into to motion because we do the exact same things we, we, today that they did then. So, so, so what, what happens? We, we cover ourselves two ways. Number one, shame leads to games. All right, so what are you saying, Steve? I'm saying shame causes Adam and Eve to try to cover themselves. Here it is. They're trying to perform. Okay, <laughs> y'all left me up here by myself. Uh, they're trying to live up to now being worthy by their own actions and efforts. Okay, so, so uh, they're trying to present themselves to the Father as if they're covered. Uh, let, me, let me get it down into terms we understand. We could call that perfectionism. Okay, so, so I have to fake it till I make it. I, I, I have to act like I have it all together. I have to prove I'm good enough because shame leads us to trying to cover ourselves and to become presentable before God. So shame leads to playing games. So, so, so I got to get my game going. I've got to prove I'm, I am something. I got to prove that I'm enough. I've, it, so, so here's how it works. If I get rich enough, then I'll be worthy. If I'm successful, come on now, if I'm successful enough, I will be worthy and I'll be presentable to God and to the other people around me. If I get enough applause, then I will be worthy, I will be sufficient, I will be covered. If, if I'm punctual, come on, I will be enough. If, if I'm caught up at work, then I will be enough. I got game, man. Don't you know I got some game? My goodness will cover my shame, my efforts, my design, my efforts, and what we discover from Adam and Eve is that it doesn't work. Haven't you been, some of y'all ain't never been caught up, but some of y'all been caught up and you discover it's not enough. Some of y'all ain't never been rich, but some of you've been like well off. You didn't have to worry about where your next meal was coming from and it's not enough. Some of you have been the center of attention and you go home wondering why you don't feel like it's enough. Some of you have been applauded and you still recognize now that it's not enough because it won't cover you. It just gives us, a, all that does, all that perfectionism does is it gives a place for a mind monster to hide. So the second thing is it not only leads to game, it leads to blame. 
Shame always leads to blame. That's why in the account that we've read, Adam begins to do some blame game, right? He starts playing blame game. The first thing he does is he blames God. If you hadn't given me this woman, then I wouldn't be dealing, come on now, I wouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing with now. I wouldn't be an abuser, God, if you had. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have come along and, and been, been trapped in drugs and alcohol if you had. I, God, if, I, if you would have come along at the right time, I wouldn't be as depressed as I am right now. God, I wouldn't be in debt at the level I am right now if you'd have showed up at the right time and made provision like you said you would. And so we begin to blame God. Shame causes us to blame God. But it goes one step further. When that doesn't work, Adam begins to blame the woman. It's your fault, Eve. And I think, never mind. So uh, it's your fault, right? Yeah, easy. I was about to get grounded. All right. So, so, so in, don't we, doesn't, shame, doesn't shame cause us to do the same things? If you hadn't shown me the porn when I was nine, I wouldn't be addicted now. If my uncle hadn't done what he did to me, I wouldn't be dealing with shame right now. Okay, it's really quiet up in here. I wouldn't be a glutton if my, if my folks would have taught me to eat in an appropriate... I, 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 I wouldn't be a cheater if so-and-so in my life hadn't modeled cheating for me. This leads to victim mentality. And so now, that's why two people can grow up in the exact same environment, like grow up in a really rough environment where father walks out, mother walks out, doesn't, don't have enough money to pay the bills. And all this, 20 years later, one of them is living life and thriving and the other one's still whining about the fact that they grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and nobody loves me and nobody knows the pain I know. It's because they're dealing with shame and they've never dealt with the fact that you can't blame everybody else. I'm preaching right now. And, 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 then, and then Eve comes along and she blames the snake because when you've blamed everybody else for your actions and you can't find anybody else to blame, it leads to this. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And so this is what happens. Listen carefully. You can't miss this. Shame will cause you to do this. We become covered in criticism. We, we never own up to anything. Boy, if this isn't the society we live in right now, we, we won't take ownership for nothing. We can have crisis all around us. We can be the cause of the crisis. And we'll stand up in front of TV cameras and go, it wasn't my fault. It's because they didn't. It's because somebody was here eight years ago. Okay. But this is what I've learned. I've learned that I can promise you that someone that has a good blame game is doing nothing more than this. They're trying to cover shame in their life. So, 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 so all that's great. I could stop right now and you would have received some truth. But here's the question. How do we get rid of shame? Because if I let you walk out of here and the same principles are operating in your mind and you don't learn a new way to think, then you're going to walk out of here enjoying good worship, but you're also still going to be bound. So what do we do with shame? Shame is destroyed when you're unwilling to hide. I, 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 you know you're in bondage to shame when you, do, when you try to cover what God already sees. Did you catch that or were you distracted? Come on, stay with me. You know you're in bondage to shame when you try to hide what God already sees. Adam, here is Shane's response. I was naked. And God responds by asking this question. Who told you you were naked? I want you to notice this. I want you to notice that God didn't address their nakedness. Instead, he addresses the origin of the knowledge that they're naked. In other words... What I can conclude then is this. Check this out. God was comfortable with their nakedness. He had already seen them. And yet now they're trying to hide from somebody that's already seen what they're trying to hide. So, so, we, so, so then we can determine this state. Stay with me right here. 
we can determine that the only thing that produces shame in us is what we think we hide from him. That's real good. What we are hiding becomes leverage used by the enemy of our soul to keep us distanced from God. What we try to hide from him becomes a wedge that is driven between us and God. He sees it, but we destroy shame when we acknowledge that he sees it and we refuse to try to play hide and seek with God. Listen, I need to just remind you this morning. God knows every thought you ever had. God's seen every action even before you did it. God sees it all. So there's no reason to hide. Shame is destroyed when we quit trying to hide from God what he already sees. James comes along and he makes a connection. He says uh, in James chapter 5 verse 16, he says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In another version it says this, make this your common practice. We don't do this. Make this your common practice. We, we got to believe all the Bible or none of the Bible. James says, make this your common practice. My question to you is when's the last time you practiced this? Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together. How? whole and healed. Can I submit to you this morning that what James recognized is that when we're hiding stuff from God and from the people that God has assigned to our life, then we become sick. I think maybe we've relegated that sickness to physical sickness, but may I also submit to you this morning that maybe just perhaps some of you are sick in the head. You are, some of you already knew that. Some of you are sick in the head, filled with a mind monster called shame simply because you won't confess and you hide. No one ever really gets a glimpse of the real you. And our belief that what we've done or what has been done to us is who we are keeps us distanced from God and from the people around us. And it is time to destroy. How do we destroy shame? We come out from hiding. Come out, come out wherever you are. Some of y'all have been hiding way too long. You're, try, you're, you're trying to cover yourself. You cover yourself when you pull up in the parking lot at Passion Church. So you walk in with a big smile on your face. And when they ask you how you're doing at the door, I'm blessed. When really what you are is tormented. And what you really are is embarrassed. And what you really are is depressed. And really what you are is destroyed in your mind. But you won't ever come to any real realm of confession or transparency or authenticity. And we see this plastic picture of you as you walk in. A model picture of you as you walk in. And then you come and enjoy worship. And you come and enjoy preaching. And you come and enjoy the handshakes. And then you walk right back to your car. And you're just as bound as you were when you got here. Simply because you're hiding from God what he already sees. Some of you have been saved and redeemed, but now you're redeemed and you're a recluse. You just hide out. You're saved, but you're living a secret. Healing comes when we refuse to hide. Number two, shame is destroyed when you no longer focus on actions, but you begin to focus on relationship. I want you to notice that Adam and Eve were fixated on what they had done rather than on who they were. Notice the first thing that God asks after they fall is this question. Listen, he asks them this question. This is a positional question. He asks this question, where are you? That is not a conditional question. That is a positional question. Where are you located? Okay, you're looking at me. God's attention was not riveted on their action as much as it was on the broken relationship. Shame causes us to focus on our actions and forget to focus on our position. I'm getting ready to help somebody right now because the enemy comes to you all the time and talks to you about your condition. And I'm just trying to help you understand that one of the ways that you break shame is you quit focusing on your condition and you now begin to talk to the enemy and think about this fact. You begin to think about your position. What if you've submitted your life, your heart, your soul, your mind to Jesus, then I got to ask you this question because some of you don't know the answer yet and you need to figure this answer out. What is your position? 
position. Let me help you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, which says this, even though you were once distant, there you are, once distance from him, living, listen to this, living in the shadow of your evil thoughts and actions. He reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing, listen to this, this is your position. And now there is nothing between you and Father God. I don't think you heard it. I don't think you recognize your position. And now there is nothing that separates us from our Father. And now there is nothing that separates you from you and your Father God. For this is how he sees you. So you need to start seeing yourself this way. Quit focusing on your action. Begin to focus on your position instead. And he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. You know, you ought to read the Bible sometimes. Sometimes it helps us get our mind right. Because in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7, it says, Yet all this was so that he would redeem and set free those held in bondage to the law so that you would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children and so that we would know. Come on, look at somebody and say, I know. I know my position. So that we would know that we are his true children. God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, my true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's own sons and daughters. And because we are his, we can access everything our father has for we are heirs because of what God has done. If we would ever figure out our position, we would come to a place where we would get over our condition and we would recognize I don't have to be filled with shame because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. You have to know who you are more than you know what you did. We could have a testimony service right now. Start passing the microphones around and some of you would only focus on what I did. Well, 19 years ago, I stole some money and now I don't know what to do. And five years ago, I was hooked on meth. And three years ago, I was drinking myself to death. And 29 years ago, I cheated on my wife and I talked to my kids. That's your condition. Why don't you stand up and testify about the fact that I've changed positions and now because of accepted Christ as my Savior. There is nothing that can separate me from his love. You say, well, how does that help? How does that help? If our relationship is right, then actions will follow. Let, let, let me help. If my relationship with, is right with you as a friend, then you don't have to worry that I might steal from you. If somebody steals from you, they're not your friend. If my relationship with you is right, you don't have to worry. You can let me in your house when you're not there and you know all your little treasures are going to still be there when you come home. If my relation, come on, I'm about to help somebody. If my relationship is right with Julie, she doesn't have to worry about me cheating on her. If, if, if my relationship is right with my boss at work, then my boss can leave for a lunch break and not be worried that while he's gone, I'm going to play solitaire for four hours on my computer. Well, how does that help us? Position assures condition. If I keep my position clear, if I recognize who I am in Christ Jesus, if I acknowledge that I am who he says I am, then I don't have to worry as much about, well, I think I might fall off the wagon. I think I might take his name in vain. I think I might cheat on a test. I think I might cheat at work. I might cheat on my test. Listen, if my position is right, then my condition will fall. Come on now. The reason some of y'all struggling is because your position hasn't been secured and you don't really know who you are. So, so third, shame is destroyed when we remember that God can't remember. <clears throat> shame is overcome when we realize that God's memory, thank you Jesus, is not as long as ours. Shame is overcome when we recognize that repentance causes God to, listen to it, please, listen, causes God to be forgetful. 
Oh, you missed it. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm chapter 103, verse 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from him. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. And I will be merciful to them in their wrongdoing. See, it's, he knows we're going to do some stuff wrong. But he says, I will be merciful to them in their wrongdoings. And I will remember their sins no more. They'll get to know me by being kindly forgiven with the slate of their sins forever being wiped clean. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 and verse 14. Under this new plan, we've been forgiven and made clean by Christ dying for us once and for all. And by his one perfect sacrifice, he has made us perfectly whole and complete for all time. What am I saying? I'm saying that in my attempt to try to educate you about the abilities of God, we often have stood at this microphone and said, there's nothing God that, that God can't do. He's got all the provision. He's got all the mercy. He's got all the sufficiency that you need. But let me, maybe I've done you a disservice because I think there is something God can't do. God can't remember. See, y'all want to shout about his mercy and shout about his grace and shout about his goodness and shout about his provision, but I'm ready up in here to praise God for his forgetfulness, and I'm thankful that sometime when I approach him in repentance with a contrite spirit, a broken heart, and say to him, I did wrong. I'm full of guilt. I'm not full of shame. At that moment, shame is broken in my life because I also recognize he can't remember. Shame brings sin to our minds. Anybody else got a, uh, this show you how old I am. Anybody, anybody else got a DVD like tape playing over in your mind? Like stuff you did that nobody else knows about? And about the time you're ready to do something great for God, it plays over in your mind again? Come on now. <laughs> I'm the only one. All right, so, uh, so I'm the only one. I'll just tell you it works for me because some of y'all are too young to know what a DVD is. So, or a, a, a VHS tape is. It's okay, a, a DVD. No, you don't even know what that is. It's an MP4 that plays over in your mind. It's a YouTube video. It's a TikTok. And it plays over and over and over in your mind. And our mind is full of what we've done. And so we conclude that his mind must be full of it as well. And I just stopped by here on a Sunday morning to tell you that he can't remember. I just came to, to, to tell you that when we bring it back up to him, boy, I am old. This, this going to, he's going to, he looks at us and he says this, I, I heard God say, this. I bring my stuff to him. I did this, this, and this. And he goes, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, what in the world does that mean? Don't worry, you were born too late. <laughs> we forget his forget fullness. The moment we remember that he can't remember, we silence shame. What happened to you 20 years ago if you've repented, if you did it, if you did it yourself, if you're the one that took the actions, if you repented of that, when you go into your prayer closet and you pray, don't bring it up to God because he has no clue what you're talking about. The only one that's trying to feed that to you is the enemy of your soul to keep you bound. We must come to the conclusion, we must come to this truth that he can't remember. And if he can't remember, then why should I? I told you that Jesus arrives on the scene trying to deal with more than our heart and our soul. His desire is to give us our mind back. Let me just give you a, a, a quick example out of the New Testament you guys can come. Y'all listen as they make their way to the platform. I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to see Jesus. If y'all think I'm making all this up, let's just see if Jesus doesn't just do what we say he wanted to do. There, there's there's this, um, this guy in the New Testament. He you want to talk about a candidate for shame. Let me, let me just tell you a few things. I'm not going to read it to you. I just want to tell you. This guy was, put yourself in his place for just a moment. He was living not visiting, he was living in a cemetery. His, his house was a cemetery. It's not like he just went there to put flowers. He lived there. He slept 
in a cemetery behind the chainsaws. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but y'all seen that commercial. It's... Not only that, that, that causes him to be unclean, that causes him to be unclean to his family, that causes him to be unclean to his friends, that causes him to be separated from community. He should be filled with shame because of his actions. Here are his actions. He's injured his neighbors. He's, he's injured. He's scared his neighbors. He's cursed his friends. He's attacked innocents. He is naked. He's out of control. He is unrestrainable. He drags the broken chains behind him like puppet strings. He's living in a cemetery. And every previous attempt to harness his anger is broken. He is isolated, he is separated, he's an outcast, he's a reject, he is damaged, he is deranged, he is out of his mind. And then Jesus shows up in Luke chapter 8. Listen to what happens. Jesus in Luke chapter 8 is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, eight miles away. Y'all know, y'all been there, eight miles away. Jesus gets on a boat, comes all the way across, eight miles steps off the boat, sees this man out of his mind and deals with him. Listen to what happens. He gets out of the boat. He encounters this mind-monster-filled man. He casts the demons out of him. Listen to what happened. Here, here's what the scripture says. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, listen, why don't, we, why don't we read scripture? Dressed and in his right mind. Well, it continues, it says, and they were afraid. Before I can go any further, I just need to tell you that there are people in your life that are more comfortable when you're bound than they are when you're free. There are some people in your life you need to you need to do some assessment in your own life. That you you are, there are moments in our lives where there are people around us that are more comfortable with our addiction, more comfortable with our brokenness, more comfortable with our depression, more comfortable with with, with whatever you're dealing with because it makes them more comfortable with their bondage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now this man is clothed and in his right mind. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment. There's no hanging his head. Why? The reason why, you got to read scripture. The reason why is because of the backstory. And I alluded to it. Jesus is minding his own business. Eight miles away. Gets on a boat. Crosses the Sea of Galilee. Steps out of the boat heals this man, gets back in the boat and goes back across. Wait a minute, hold on. L let's pause for the cause for just a moment. Jesus is minding his own business, gets in a boat, goes all the way across the sea, eight miles. They don't have an ever route on the back of their boat. They're paddling, they're rowing, they're sailing, whatever. It takes time. He gets off the boat, walks onto the shore, encounters a man that's full of shame, casts the demons out of him, gets back in the boat, rows back across eight miles. Well, what's the big deal about that? In other words, Jesus came all the way across the the, the Sea of Galilee for one dude. He, he had, this man's mind is full of shame. Do you know what Jesus' mind was full of? This man. And some of you have found that now you're isolated and you're beat down and you're depressed and you're overcome and your life is full of shame and your life is full of regret and your life has been destroyed by what somebody did to you because you think that's who you are. Your life has been destroyed because of what you did and you think there's no way I can get to God. But I came to tell somebody this morning that Jesus crossed the divide of eternity and he had one person person in mind. His mind is full of you. His mind is full of you. He did that so that you could overcome a shameful life. You didn't hear me. He did that so that you could overcome a shameful 
full life. I need somebody that knows that God is a forgetful God to stand up and worship Him for just a moment. As far as the east is from the west, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you can do this thing in our life. I thank you that you went out of your way. Uh, I thank you that you went out of your way to reach me. I thank you that you went out of your way to reach us. I thank you that we don't have to live separated and isolated and rejected and broken. I'm thankful that we can live, we can live free and in our right mind. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful that you forget I'm thankful that we can know who we are. I'm thankful that we don't have to hide. We don't have to hide. So this is what I want to do this morning because I think I would be remiss if I didn't do this. We got plenty of time. We ain't going to hurry this. You say, Steve, that's me. I'm full of shame. Years ago, months ago, weeks ago, days ago, I did something that I now regret. But it's moved beyond regret and it's moved beyond guilt. That's how I see myself. When I look in the mirror, I identify myself by what I did. For some of you in the room, you may be here and you say, it wasn't what I did, it was what somebody did to me. I, didn't, I wouldn't have chosen this. I wouldn't have, this, this is the hand that was dealt to me, but my, now my life is full of shame. I'm embarrassed. I don't think I can get over this. I, I will always live under the cloud of this. If, if that's you, I'm talking to you. Jesus orchestrated this whole service for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. You say, well, Steve, this seems odd. This seems like the Sunday you wouldn't, you wouldn't like put me on blast. This isn't the Sunday you would call me out. This isn't the Sunday. All the other Sundays, yeah, but this one, I'm already embarrassed. I don't want to admit that. But he can't heal what we hide. He's already seen it. You ain't fooling nobody except yourself. And so this morning, if you're here and you say, Steve, that's me. I am shameful and I am determined to be free. I don't want to live my life for the rest of my life under this cloud of this is who I am. I want to get this right so that I can live like who I am. If that's you, quickly. I need you to step out right now and come and stand right down here. I know, I know it's embarrassing, but listen, he already sees it. Who are you trying to hide? What are you trying to hide? He already knows. Yeah, anybody else? Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at that man leading the way, finally. Usually it's the ladies that are willing to be authentic first. Come on, just one minute longer. Anybody else? Something happened to me. Something took place in my life and it's caused shame to rise up and I'm afraid that's who I might be. I need some folks that know their position. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't have a condition. I'm saying you know your position. You've already recognized who you are in Christ Jesus. I need some folks like that to step out and get behind these folks. And we're going to take authority over this mind monster and break it in the name of Jesus. So get there, get there, get there, get there, get there, and then we're gonna pray, we're gonna pray. Clear our minds, oh God. Renew our minds, redeem our minds in this moment.
So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that some of the things that some of the people standing here have done or what has been done to them are severe. We're not downplaying the severity of what's taken place. We're not diminishing the damage that's been done. So we just, we, uh, right off the top, we just, we address this fact. What, what we did or what somebody did to us was painful and we don't like it. But we come against shame. The enemy is using this thing to keep us in bondage and to keep us broken. And once and for all, we stand here before you, God, laid bare, naked and unafraid, refusing to try to hide one moment longer. This is what happened. This is what I did. This is what I said. This is what I drunk. This is what I shot myself full of. This is the action I took. These are the words I used. This is the, this is the practice I did. But I lay it all bare once and for all. I'm unashamed. I'm unashamed. And so now it can no longer be a weapon in the hands of my enemy. And so, Father, in its place, I pray that right now we would come to a divine understanding of our position. We are who you say we are. We are saved. We are, we are set free. We are redeemed. We are pure. We are holy. We are set apart. We are who, we are, we are, we're the apple of your eye. You're mindful of us, Jesus. And I pray that we would now focus more on our position than we ever did our condition. And every time the enemy of our soul rises up and tries to convince us that's who we are, I pray that instead we would begin to declare who we are in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. The old has passed away and all things are new. I am the chosen one. I am a loved one. I am an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And I rest. I rest in who I am. And now, Father, I pray the last step is this. I pray that you would help us to understand your forgetfulness. So I pray that our prayer life would change and we would quit crawling in and limping in and, and ducking our head and approaching you like we're unworthy and approaching you like that's who we were and approaching you like we shouldn't be allowed in. I pray that instead we would boldly approach the throne of grace and we would stand in front of you complete and whole and pure and mighty and set free and we would forget like you forget. In Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray that you would do for us what your son did for this man by the name of Legion. I pray that you would put us back in our right mind. I pray that you would put us back in our right mind. Restore our mind. Come on, put your hands on your own head. I know they've been praying for you. Would, would you just now put your hand on your own head and say, God, renew my mind. Restore my mind. Make me new in my mind. Let me think like you think. Let me think like you think. Now let the mind of Christ be in you. 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 Come on now, would you just begin to worship Him? Would you just begin to worship Him as if He's already done what you've asked Him to do?
I break every chain of shame. In the name of Jesus, we refuse to continue to try to play games. We continue to lay blame on everybody else. We accept the grace of our Father and we live like He crossed every sea, every divide, every chasm to get to us. We live like He went out of His way just to get to me. You don't know who I am. He went out of His way just to get... You don't know who I am. He went out of His way just to get to me. And so I cannot live with my head down and my heart down and my hands down. Instead, I'll live knowing that he can't remember. So I can't remember. What happened to me is not who I am. What I did is not who I am. I'm his. And he's mine. And from this moment forward, I pray that that point of entry would be closed and shut off and no longer used as a weapon against me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every voice that rises up in accusation, every voice that comes into mind saying, you know what you did? Every voice of accusation will be silenced because that's the inheritance of the righteous, the saved the set free so this is what I want you to do real quick those of you that came down those of you that are standing where you were when we started I need you to find three people real quick and look at them and say there ain't no shame in my game come on there ain't no shame in my game come on tell them there ain't no shame in my game there ain't no shame and then you can go back to your seats It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.